Welcome. You are listening to Aftersight. This recording is intended solely for individuals who are blind or have low vision. Thank you for joining us for the February 8th, 2024, Thursday reading of the Pikes Peak Courier. My name is Sophia. Today, we will be reading the following main articles. Tava House Takes Step Forward, Ownership of Cog Car Clarified, written by Doug Fitzgerald. Library Partners with Braver Angels for Discussions, written by Pat Hill. Moose is Loose in Woodland Park, written by The Courier Staff. Vasholtz, among Pikes Peak Hill Climb competitors, announced for 2024. Written by Doug Fitzgerald. Sheriff tells it like it is. Written by Pat Hill. And following up with miscellaneous articles. Our first article is entitled, Tava House Takes Step Forward. Ownership of Cog Car Clarified. Written by Doug Fitzgerald. The proposed Tava House took a significant step forward with the Woodland Park City Council's approval of the preliminary plat during the February 1 meeting. Passage of the plat doesn't mean the process is complete. Many conditions must be met before the Tava House becomes a reality. Along with some administrative procedures that need to be completed during the process, there are also issues that must be resolved concerning right-of-way, loss of public parking spaces, loss of land in Bergstrom Park, and traffic flow, as outlined by the Colorado Department of Transportation. Approval of the plat also doesn't end the drama over the relocation of the COG car. There was a new development concerning the COG car, however, Council member Rusty Neal reported that they had located the original document concerning the transfer of the COG car and that the Ute Pass Historical Society is the rightful owner, not the city of Woodland Park, as had been believed. Because of that discovery, an outreach effort by Woodland Park soliciting input about possible relocation spots for the COG car has been placed on hold. What that means concerning the ongoing controversy about moving the, the car remains unanswered. The Carter family has steadfastly resisted efforts to move the COG car. After the Broadmoor, Manitou Springs, Pikes Peak COG Railway donated the car, the late Dwayne Carter paid $12,000 to have it transported to Woodland Station. In a ceremony in February 2021, the car was dedicated to Carter's late wife, Myrna. In December 2022, Dwayne Carter died, and subsequently his adult children have stated they believe the railway car was intended to remain permanently in Woodland Station. But the car must be moved, according to the property's owner. Mark Weaver, who presented Tava House Properties LLC at the meeting, said the car will not be on the 6.63 acres. 
When a relocation site has been determined, Tava will pay to have it moved, Weaver said. The Tava House will occupy only 0.35 acres in the northeast corner of this property. The 6.63 acres, we all know it has a lot to be overcome. However, we are not shrinking back from that, Weaver said. We are going to make it something that we can all be proud of. We've been at this for the past four and a half years, so you can tell we're in it for the long haul. When completed, which ownership projects to be in May or June of 2025, the Taba House will include a fine dining restaurant, a casual dining restaurant, a culinary school, and a party room. Boards and Barrels Council unanimously approved a request from Boards and Barrels Bistro for a hotel and restaurant liquor license. Carrie Platzer, who, with her husband David, will own and operate the new eatery located in the old Swiss Chalet building at 19263 East 24, East US 24, said they were targeting a late March or early April opening, depending on the progress of the remodel. My husband and I have been looking for an opportunity for quite a while now, Platzer said. The right place at the right time is at our fingertips. When this opportunity came up, I can't even tell you my excitement. Platzer previously worked for the Levy family, which owned the Swiss Chalet for over 20 years. She said she has been in the food and beverage industry for 41 years, and David has been in culinary for 37 years. They plan to offer a varied menu with shareable plates so diners can sample a variety of dishes. As the listing agent for the property, Mayor Pro Tem Kelly Case recused herself from both the discussion and the vote. No response. Council Member Carol Harvey expressed frustration over the inability to schedule a hearing with the school board concerning updating an intergovernmental agreement over how a 1% sales tax is being spent. Attempts to communicate with the school board began in July. Most recently, an email to school board president Mick Bates from Mayor Hillary Labar has gone unanswered as of the meeting. Harvey said the two entities were supposed to come together to update the IGA in 2021. We owe it to our constituents to have accountability and transparency on how that tax money has been used, Harvey said. Our primary responsibility is accounting for the use of tax dollars. Our next article is entitled Library Partners with Braver Angels for Discussions, written by Pat Hill. If it isn't one thing to disagree about, it's another. In Woodland Park, it's rancor and anger over recent decisions of the school board countered by support for the board by others. Add that to the controversy over short-term rentals along with the upcoming city election and things look chaotic. Into that stew pot of opinions, 
Braver Angels relaunched efforts to breach the divide and soften the tone of civil discourse. We moved to Woodland Park in 1987, and I can't compare the town now to what it was back then, said Gail Gehrig, co-founder of the group. We didn't have the extremes that are so divisive. The session, January 30, introduced the partnership between Braver Angels and Rampart Library District. We continue to share a vision of bringing communities together to discuss important matters sans the vitriol and hostility that is endemic to social media, said Tim Miller, Executive Director of the Library District. Through these discussions, our community finds common ground and a way forward, regardless of their differing views on key issues. Holly Sample, co-founder of the group, introduced speaker Joe Connor, author of Critical Perspective, Understanding an Opinion That's Not Your Own. Critical perspective differs from critical thinking because it relates to life experiences that influence opinion, such as birthplace, Connor said. Everyone has walked a different path, he said. We are prisoners of our perspectives. Of the nine people who attended the meeting, some said they learned left, or they leaned left while others leaned right. The political division played a role that evening in the cursory discussion of immigration. The most vocal participant on the subject expressed anger at the influx of people coming through the southern border. However, she was in favor of legal immigration, with immigrants becoming citizens, earning paychecks, paying taxes, and contributing to the community. The underlying value on the issue is that every human being is valuable, said another. Connor intercepted with a suggestion for discussion. Why do people want to come here, he said. That needs to be addressed. Is it possible to find common ground on the issue, Connor said. What are the experiences that led you to your opinions about immigration, he said adding that many Americans are only two or three generations away from the immigration of their ancestors. Braver Angels follows the library's initiation of the community discussions in February 2023. Post-COVID, surveyed patrons and constituents told us they felt lonely and disconnected. What they wanted from us were opportunities to meaningfully connect with each other in person, Miller said. We knew that libraries were uniquely positioned as focal points for community gatherings and exchange of information, and that people learn and communities grow together through those services. The discussions are intended to introduce various topics that may include patriotism, cherish Bible college, water, freedom, and immigration. Our next article is entitled, Moose is Loose in Woodland Park, written by the Courier staff. The Moose is Loose in Woodland Park between February 10 and 25, and savings are in its path. In 2024, Moose is Loose sales event will feature 35 businesses from Woodland Park and the surrounding areas. 
The annual kickoff starts on February 10 at 9.30 a.m. in the Tweed's Fine Furnishings parking lot, with the doors opening 30 minutes later. The first 250 shoppers will receive a special moose swag bag from participating merchants. This year, the moose is celebrating being alive in the Alpine, and prices will be falling faster than the thermometer, organizers said in a press release. With deals up and down Main Street from 15 to 75% off, Valentine specials and kid-friendly activities, there's something for everyone. The idea for the Moose is Loose sales event was birthed during a creative meeting at Tweed's in 2001 as a way to survive the slower winter months. Little did the owners know it would turn into a decades-old tradition. Tweed's decided a February sale was ideal because it gave shoppers a chance to recover from Thanksgiving and Christmas while appealing to their growing desire to shake the cabin fever that begins to set in after the excitement of the new year has died down. Tweeds held this sale annually with growing success and, before long, pitched the idea to others on Main Street with the idea that if several businesses were having a big sale, more people were likely to brave the elements to come out and shop. The moose himself is a whimsical and curious creature who eventually stopped ransacking stores and became a friend to the business community, organizers said. He has a perpetual case of wanderlust that leads him to visit various destinations during the year. But every February, he gets homesick for his friends and returns to Woodland Park as a celebrated and honored guest. His arrival marks the beginning of three weeks of great deals and fun events for the community to enjoy as a way of fondly remembering his chaotic visits. The moose is also very impressionable, the release said, and each year, influenced by his travel experiences, comes back as a slightly different iteration of his previous self. Over the years, he has returned as an artist, a politician, and a Wild West cowboy, just to name a few. And that iteration inspires the theme of the ensuing celebrations in February. What began as a way for small business owners to drum up business during the off-season has become a tradition that brings families out to enjoy food and entertainment, meet others in the community, and make wonderful memories together while businesses continue to keep free enterprise alive in small-town America for another generation. That's a win-win for everyone involved. The next article is entitled, Voschultz Among Pikes Peak Hill Climb Competitors, Announced for 2024, written by Doug Fitzgerald. Woodland Park's Cody Voschultz, will defend his open-wheel division title at the 2024, the Broadmoor Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. Cody's father, Clint, will be competing in the Time Attack Number 1. Participants in this year's hill climb were announced at the end of January. The 2024 hill climb will feature 74 competitors, 
21 of whom are from Colorado. 15 other states are represented in the field along with 10 countries, Australia, Canada, France, Italy, Japan, Peru, Portugal, Romania, Sweden, and the UK. We couldn't be happier with the caliber of entries we received, PPIHC Executive Director Melissa Elkoff said. Once again, we had considerably more applicants than the number of competitors we could accept, but our selection committee did a phenomenal job of vetting each driver and their vehicle. Spectators can expect to see some returning Kings of the Mountain, an exciting new Pikes Peak GT4 by Yokohama Division, and 20 promising rookies who hope to conquer this 14,115-foot mountain. Last year, Cody Vaschultz took first place in open wheel with the 2013 Vaschultz Custom Ford and setting a record for speed at 9 minutes 19.192 seconds for the 12.42-mile course. He took second place in the division in 2021. The win was the 47th for the family since 1978, when Leonard Vaschultz first raced up the treacherous course. We haven't missed a race on Pikes Peak since that day, Cody said. Leonard racked up 18 wins in the stock car division, while his son Clint claimed 26 titles. Cody has five wins, three in the motorcycle division. Cody competed in motorcycles until those classes were discontinued after the 2019 race. He had second and third place finishes in the heavyweight division after winning the middleweight division in 2019. In all, he bagged three first-place finishes in various motorcycle divisions. Our next article is entitled, Sheriff Tells It Like It Is, written by Pat Hill. As Sheriff Jason Mikesell watched his deputies depart for higher-paying jobs elsewhere, he successfully appealed to the county commissioners for an increase in salaries. As a result, the starting salary for a deputy jumped from 42000 to 72000 That is huge, said Mike Sell, speaking to a group of residents January 29th at the sheriff's office. Now the deputies have a working wage and can buy a house, buy a vehicle, get to work on time. Along with the raise, the deputies are earning their paychecks. We had 5,469 calls last year. From August through January, we ran about 410 calls per month, Mike Sell said. A lot of the calls are due to the tourists we're starting to see. When word spread late last year that the ice castles would be built in Cripple Creek, Mike Sell publicly expressed concern about the traffic and impact on first responders. We're expecting to see 600 vehicles per hour that travel up to the ice castles, he said. The ice castles is just one of the attractions drawing tourists 
to Teller County. According to the U.S. Forest, we're seeing anywhere from 20,000 to 50,000 visitors per day in the Pikes Peak region, a lot of them in Teller County, Mike Sell said. Because the Forest Service has just two law enforcement officers that patrol the region, the Sheriff's Department responds to calls that include homicide and domestic violence. The problem is that state and local jurisdictions have to take those calls, which means we have to spend resources in order to do so, he said. With a $10,000 annual federal grant, the sheriff's office deals with crime in the forest while trying to save Pike National Forest from burning up. I don't know how many campfires we stop every year, he said. That's one of the issues we have with the Forest Service, unattended campfires. In a two-hour session, Mike Sell gave the audience a glimpse of a day in the life of the sheriff's office. With the number of calls, 35,000 last year, the dispatchers reached the critical stage due to resignations, vacations, overtime, sick time. Another appeal to the commissioners resulted in funds for five additional dispatchers. And we increased their pay. Now they are among the highest paid in the area, Mike Sell said. If you've ever been in our dispatch office, it looks like the Starship Enterprise. It is one of the most advanced dispatch centers in Colorado right now. From starting salaries of $30,000 to $54,000 annually, dispatchers were included in Mike Sell's appeal to the commissioners. We have 15 dispatchers and one supervisor, he said. The office dispatches 911 calls for nine fire agencies, two ambulance services, the city of Victor, and multiple law enforcement organizations, state and local in addition to monitoring calls for Cripple Creek at night, Mike Sell said. With 24 deputies total, three are on patrol at any one time, Mike Sell said, adding that the office has a contract with Colorado Springs Utilities to patrol Shelf and Gold Camp roads near Victor. With the increase in crime in the area, the officers each wear angel armor and are equipped with a medical kit and body camera. According to questions asked by the audience, residents express concern about junk, rubbish, and immigrants. We are the only county in the state that uses the 287-gram program. We have gone to court twice and won both times, said he said, referring to the lawsuit by residents brought against the sheriff by the ACLU. The agreement with the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, the sheriff, detains immigrants who have committed crimes and been arrested in Teller County and held in the county jail and released to ICE. In a tell-it-like-it-is tell session, Mike Sell expressed concern about the lack of applicants to fill eight deputy positions. It's really tough, he said. 
Mike Sell's command staff, and several deputies attended the coffee and refreshments session. Thank you for joining us for the Pikes Peak Courier. My name is Sophia. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aftersight.org or by calling 303-786-7777.